Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. Lord, we sing that, we declare that. The truth that because of what you have done for us, Jesus, in your perfect life, death, and resurrection, that for endless days, Lord, forever and ever and ever, we will praise the name of the Lord our God. Lord, we long for it, we believe it. And Lord, today as we gather together around your word, Lord, whether here in person, whether online, Lord, Lord, that as we gather around your word today, that you would cause us to believe that fresh and new. Lord, that this year, in 2021 at the Vine Community Church, Lord, this year in 2021, throughout this country and around this world, we can stand up and say that no matter what is going on around us, we are going to praise the name of the Lord our God. We're going to remind one another of it. We're going to help each other in it. We're going to walk together in it day by day. And so, Lord, today we praise your name. And, Lord, we look to your word and we ask, Lord, that you would strengthen us by it this day, that you would teach us. And, Lord, that you would encourage your people with the work that you have done. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. My name is Tim Barton. I'm the pastor of Family Ministries here at the Vine. Um, I know many of you, but maybe not all. And, you know, I want to just start this morning by asking you, um, who's ready for a new year? Yeah. A lot of you raising your hands there. Um, I was walking into the grocery store this week um, for, to grab something real quick, and a, and a mom and a little boy were, were walking out. And this little boy kept looking up at his mom, and he kept going, now, mom? Now, mom? Now? Now? Now, mom? Now? She looks around, realizes nobody else is around her, so she's like, she's, she's, she's okay, okay, now. And the kid rips off his mask and goes, whew, I'm glad that's over. <laughs> and the reality is that's, that's how a lot of us feel about 2021. I mean, 2020, right? It's like, whew, I'm glad that's over. And we, and we, wanna, we look to, to move on. You know, I've heard and read um, about many people saying, just, just turn that calendar page. And I want to acknowledge that, that for some in here, as I look around, this has been an a extremely hard year for you. Um, for some, it has been at least frustrating for, for the rest of us, right? Um, it's been a frustrating year. We've seen things that, that many of us have not experienced in our lifetimes um, with um, this, this virus on, and, and the response to the virus and just this, on this, this scale that we never thought we would see. We've seen um, election and, and political drama. We've seen riots in our country. Um, just just the, all these different things going on and, and we look at them and, and we're like, whoa. And it frustrates us at best um, and, it, and it hurts others. 
And then we re- sometimes we respond in this, this arrogance or this self-justification. You know, the idea that, hey, I'm right about this. My viewpoint is right. And therefore, you're dumb. And we see that, that, that arrogance and that pride from, from all, everybody in so many ways. And then we have the fear. There's fear that has crippled some. And there's fear that has driven others to do just crazy things. To try to keep a hold. You know, what I think has been on full display is the frailty of this world that we live in. The frailty of our lives. It's been on full display in this year. And we want to turn the page. We want to move on from it. But I want to suggest that we look at 2020 a little bit differently. And while I do hope we move on and those circumstances change, please don't misunderstand me. I want to use a little illustration to demonstrate what I think 2020 was doing. And then I want to move us into a new beginning um, in this third day of January 2020. When you open a styrofoam cup, a pack of styrofoam cups, and you take one of them, a styrofoam cup is usually clean, right? On the outside. Clean, no markings. And, and sometimes, you know, we think about our life being, you know, it's like this, it's clean, there's no markings. You know, we're, we're born, now we have the original sin, we won't get into that right now, but, but this, this clean, no markings, things are, things are good. And what we spend the majority of our lives trying to do is to keep markings from coming on the outside, to keep the, the outer shell from cracking, so to speak, to keep things from, the marks from coming, the, be- the beatings, the bruises, that kind of thing. We-, we try to prevent ourselves from that. But what inevitably happens for all of us? Inevitably, we're going to face hard things in this life. Even those that you look around at right now and think, yeah, they've got it all together. Yeah, they face it too in different ways than maybe you do. But we all face hard things in our lives. And as, as we face those hard things in our lives, we're, we're getting marked. We're getting nicked. We're getting cracked. Those things are happening and we're, we're, we're doing all we can. It's like we're trying to just keep wiping that away. Keep wiping that away. If I keep wiping it away or if I keep moving on, maybe, maybe I'll forget that it's there, forget that it's happened. What a year like 2020 did or what hard circumstances in our lives also often do is apply pressure. And so we've been worried about dealing with the outside of the cup But then a pressure is applied to the level that when pressure is applied and enough pressure is applied, what's inside comes out. I'll pour the rest of that out so I don't spill it everywhere. Um, What's inside comes out. I believe that that is true for every single one of us. And when you woke up Friday morning, and it was 2021, or when you were still up, um, maybe some of you were still up at uh, midnight, um, when you were still up, and it was 2021, did things change? No. Because turning a page, 
or doing a bunch of stuff to fix the outside or just trying to move on as if it never happened, that doesn't change anything. That doesn't change what's on the inside. And I believe that what our biggest issue is is what's going on on the inside. And so today we're going to see that all those other things we hope in, those lies we believe, those things don't change what's on the inside. But today, through Jesus' humility, we have a new beginning. So we're going to continue in Matthew chapter 3. Um, We're in Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. We've been in uh, Matthew 1, 2, and 3 since um, the beginning of the Christmas season, the beginning of the Advent season, and we wrap up with that uh, today. I remind you that this is God's word. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Through Jesus's humility, we have a new beginning. So I want to look at two things in this passage. First is Jesus's great humility. And then second, our great gain. How was Jesus humbled then, his great humility? How was he humble? Well, first, he lived a humble life. Um, if you think about Jesus, and we, we talked about this two weeks ago, um, but when you, when you think about Jesus, we know, we know about Jesus being born, right? We know when he was born. Um, we, we, we have stories about that. Um, born in a humble situation, Right? We hear one more thing about him. I told you all that two weeks ago. We, we hear one more thing about him when he goes into the temple and he's, and he's reading the scroll, um, teaching those, uh, the people in the temple. Um, but the rest of his life, up until now, when he's 30 years old, we've heard nothing. He's lived in, in obscurity almost. And so here is the God, the, the creator of the universe, who became a man, and for the first 30 years of his life, was not the center of attention, was not setting himself up for success. It was none of those things. And what we try to do often, what we're taught to do is you've got to, you've got to um, when you're young, you've got to work your way. You've got to get prepared. You've got to do the things you need to do. You've got to set yourself up for success. And then we bring that into um, the Christian life. Jesus didn't come for earthly success, though. Jesus came, the Bible says, not to be served by men, but to serve. He says it in his own words in Matthew 20, verse 28. And so he lived a quiet, humble life until the time appointed for his public ministry. The second way that he was humble was that he submitted to something that he didn't need. Look at verse 13 and 14. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. And John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Jesus submits to a baptism that he doesn't need, to a, to a baptism of repentance. Now, we could talk a long time about that and what that means, probably several sermons. Um, Garrison Young, our, our, one of our elders and pastoral intern last week, reminded us um, that this was understood to be, this baptism of repentance, a public declaration 
that my former way of life or my former way of thinking was wrong, and so I'm turning from that. Now, in addition to, to that explanation, we also have what's going on, uh, what, what baptism meant within the Jewish culture, because in the Jewish culture, there was a baptism or a purification from sins for the Jewish people. It was not for the Gentiles. It was not for anyone else. It was only for the Jewish people. And there was a separate baptism that was for the Gentiles who converted, converted to Judaism, who were admitted into Judaism. That was only for the Gentiles and never um, for the Jews. And now John's coming and he's teaching all people need this baptism of repentance for sins. And so what he was doing is he was saying to the Jewish people, and remember the Gospel of Matthew is focused on the Jewish people. He's saying to the Jewish people, you need the same things the Gentiles need. That was a different message. The Jewish people were confused and frustrated or angry by it. The Jewish leaders refused to submit to it. Then in complete contrast to the Jewish leaders, Jesus submitted to the baptism of repentance even though he was not sinful. Jesus didn't need baptism. That's why John questions him in verse 15. John's like, I, I need to be baptized by you. I don't need to be baptizing you. But Jesus answered him. Sorry, that was verse 14. Now in verse 15, Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for thus it was fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he, John, consented. Jesus was the second person of the Trinity. Jesus was the Son of God. He was God himself, but, but he also became man and submitted to a baptism of repentance he didn't need. And the passage says the reason for it. It was to fulfill all righteousness. What is righteousness? Righteousness is doing the things needed to be declared right. Jesus fulfilled that. Romans 3 tells us that, that in and of ourselves, remember what it says about our righteousness? There is no one righteous, no, not one. And it goes on and on. We don't have any righteousness. It, we can do all the things we want to to clean up the outside of the cup. To, to, to work on that. We can do all the things we want to to try to clean up the inside of the cup. But none of that gives us righteousness. But Jesus came to fulfill all righteousness. And that's why he came to this baptism. He took the baptism he did not need upon himself so that we might be identified with him. And that's our third reason, way he was humble. He identified with sinners. See, Jesus came to be baptized by John, and the primary significance of baptism is identification. In Christian baptism, we are identified with Jesus in his death and his resurrection because Jesus identified with humanity in this baptism for repentance. Therefore, Jesus said, I will take the obligation I will take the responsibility to fulfill all righteousness so that I can be a substitute for you and save you from what you deserve. 
the death and separation from God. It's what was prophesied in Isaiah 53, 11. And it says, out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. And then it talks about by his knowledge shall the righteous one, looking forward to Jesus, the righteous one, my servant, he might make many to be accounted righteous and he shall bear their iniquities. I mentioned it before that, that he does not need to have a baptism of repentance because he didn't sin. You'll notice here, John's telling everybody else, confess Repent and be baptized. There was no confession or repentance for Jesus, from Jesus. But he received the baptism of repentance that he might identify with those who would believe in his name. Jesus submitted to the humility necessary to save his people from their sins. And through his humility, we get a new identity an identity with Jesus, and and therefore, we get a new beginning. The new beginning is our great gain, and that's our second point. We're going to see this, that that, um, our great gain comes in the way that we see it through Jesus' baptism. We see that the Father has love and delight for Jesus, and that um, that Jesus receives the Holy Spirit's peace and power. And as we identify with Jesus through this baptism of repentance, as we identify with him, we also receive those things. But let's look at them first and what what we see here that God was giving to Jesus. First is the Father's love and delight. Look at verse 16. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. We're going to come back to verse 16 in just a minute. So so focus in on 17 first. This is my beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased. That's a quote that that God is using this here. It's what he said of the Messiah back in Psalm chapter 2. Many, many, many years before of the one who would come and save his people. This is my son whom I love. And then it also speaks, the second part of this quote is from Isaiah 42. And and in Isaiah 42, he's talking about the Savior that will come, that will establish justice, that will bring a new thing, a new beginning. And he says, behold, so that one he's saying is, behold, this is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. And so what God is saying from heaven as Jesus comes up out of the water to the bank, as the spirit, as the dove descends upon him, God the Father is saying, I approve of Jesus because of who he is, my beloved son. When you have a child, you love that child, right? You love that child. Sometimes I can't even imagine loving my child, my children more than I do. And you love that child when they do something dumb. You might be frustrated with them. You might have to deal with the consequences and all this. But you love that child even when they do something dumb. And you love that child and take a lot of delight when you see them walking in obedience to the Lord. When you see them achieving things. When you see them doing good things. Making good decisions. That, that's a blessing. That's a joy in that. Um, but your love, the love for your child is there because they're your child. 
Jesus is God the Son, and for that reason alone, he would be beloved and approved of. And God the Father is delighting in him because of what he has just done by receiving this baptism of repentance. You you hear that? Just because he was his son, he was approved of and delighted in. And the Father's delighting in him because of what he's just done. Because what he's just done has demonstrated on earth his willingness to submit to what the Father said was good for him, to what the Father had planned for him to save a people from their sins, to bring a new beginning to those who come to him repenting of sin and turning in dependence and faith in him. This is important. I'm going to pause on it for a minute. It's important that we get that. As we turn and want a new beginning, it's vital. The delight that God has in those who come through faith in Jesus' work has been accomplished. Because of our identity with Jesus, because of the delight he has in Jesus. Let me say it again. The delight that God has for you if you come in faith through Jesus' work, has been accomplished. This isn't something that he gives and takes away. I have a, um, have a nephew. I was, we were with them over Christmas, and, or this past week, and he, he decided he was going to play this game with me. And he would come up to me, and he would hand me a car. He loves cars. He would hand me a car and say, I'm giving this to you. And I would take it, and then he would come back and take it back from me. And then the game went on where I, if I laid it down, he, it became, he thought it was fun to come take it and, or come grab it and take it back. Often when we think about God's delight and love for us, it's almost treated as if God's playing some kind of cosmic game with us of, oh, you did this. I'm going to take that car back away from you. I'm going to take my delight and my love back away from you. But as we look to a new beginning, we need to understand that God's delight in us is because of what Jesus has done in our identity in Him, and that cannot be taken away. It cannot be taken away. But when we start to believe the lies that it can, that's when we start worrying about keeping everything in order. I go back to the cup again and again. That's when we start worrying about keeping things looking good. Or we start worrying, or we start trying to fix it all ourselves. But because of his love and delight, we see the second part of our great gain, and that's the Spirit's peace and power. Back to verse 16 one more time. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. God the Father, in his delight and love, he sent the visible sign of a dove upon Jesus to signify the presence of and the peace and power of the Holy Spirit. Do you remember when we see the dove representing a peace with God the first time? You got to go all the way back to Genesis 6, 7, and 8. 
It says man was only, the intentions of man's heart were only evil all the time. God sends the flood, but he saves a, a people for himself with, Mo, with uh, Noah and, his, and um, his family. And then he saves a remnant of the animals. And, and as, you, as, as he talks about that, the, the floodwaters recede. And as the floodwaters go down, um, first a raven goes out, comes back. Then he sends out a dove. And when the dove comes back, he comes back with an olive branch because the waters have receded. The, the judgment is over in that sense. And now there has been a restored peace. But that was temporary and it looked forward to the peace that we have through faith in Jesus Christ. As the Spirit came down in this visible sign of the dove, as, as this is a sign of the Spirit coming, it is a reminder that we have peace with God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Spirit tells us that again and again and again. You see, when we just try to tell ourselves, we get the lies mixed in. So we need to hear it from Him. We need to hear it from Him speaking through His Word. We need to hear it in prayer that that he delights in us. And that's, what, that's one aspect of what the Spirit brings is his peace and reminding us of that over and over and over again. We're dependent on him to do so. We're also dependent on him for his power. You can do everything you can think of to do. And you can follow every self-help thing that you can find. You cannot change what's on the inside of that cup, what's on the inside of you, in your own strength. Only by the power of the Holy Spirit working in you can you do that. You cannot, I cannot accomplish anything in work for God in my own strength. Only the Holy Spirit working in me, working through me, through you, can do that. But we keep going back to the lie. I want to ask you as we start in this new year, I want to ask you, if you'll commit to saying, God, show me the lie. Show me the lies that I'm believing. And God, show me the delight and love that you have for me. I have a friend that says, and I may have said this a minute ago, you know when you do three services, sometimes you forget what you've said, but <laughs> I'll say it again. I have a friend who says that sometimes that we, we come across these hard-to-believe scriptures, but these hard-to-believe scriptures are the things that have the deepest meaning, the deepest importance in our lives as Christians. Y'all... Do you understand that the fact that Jesus delights and loves us, that the Father delights and loves us because of what he's done for us, 
That is the hardest to believe scripture because everything in us and all the pressures from the outside are screaming, no, it's not true. It can't possibly be true. But it is a new beginning to say today, yes, my father does delight in me because of what Jesus has done. And then when when, when the stuff pours out from the inside... The stuff God already knows anyway, by the way. When that stuff pours out, when people around us see the stuff and they're like, ooh, and they, ba- they, want, they kind of back up. By the way, the reason we back up is because of the junk in our lives. Because <laughs> we've got it too. The, the reason that, that when, when that happens, what God says is, yeah, I know. And I still delight in you and love you. And I am going to keep changing what's on the inside. As we prepare for communion this morning, I want to ask if if you'll go before him and say, Lord, show me the lies I'm believing that keep me from believing that I have your delight and your love. And just lay those before him. And then after a couple moments of silence, I'll bring us together um, for the Lord's table. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at thevinecc. Have a great week.